Thank you very much. Morning, everyone. Uh, if you are here as a visitor, uh, we are so thrilled and thankful that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for coming. And what I want to do in the next few minutes is to try and unpack some of this whole Jesus thing for you. Uh, I was my life was changed about 30 years ago when I read this book called The Day Death Died, which is why I've called it that. And uh, it's a very simple book. I'm not very good at reading. I can read, uh, but I'm not great at it. I'm more sort of Eni Blyton, really. That's kind of my genre. Uh, but this is a very thin book, as you can see, and I coped with it and I read it. And uh, this is what it says on the cover of this, this guy called Michael Green who wrote this book. Listen to this. If the resurrection of Jesus is false, Christianity collapses. But if it is true, the consequences for our world and our individual lives are immense. And so Easter Sunday is the day death died. And it's a message that I have shared literally thousands of times, indoors, outdoors, and now online, uh, in all kinds of situations and contexts. And it is the biggest privilege imaginable to be called by God and appointed by God to be a simple delivery boy of this message. That's all, all that I do. It's just, it's just to deliver this message. So I'm going to take a couple of minutes, a few minutes, to begin to unpack it for you. And then we're going to invite some of you, or well, all of you if you want to come, to five Tuesday evenings, all the Tuesday evenings throughout May. And we're going to unpack it a little bit more. And I'm going to just take you through, piece by piece, some of the main elements of what you are experiencing today. But first, I want to tell you a short story. And uh, I'm going to tell it up there on the screen. I'm not climbing up there. Uh, this is one I made earlier. Uh, it's called 33. Watch this. At the height of the French Revolution, King Louis XVI of France was arrested for corruption. As he climbed the steps to the guillotine, he shouted out at the crowd, I hope my blood appeases God's anger. His toxic speech was drowned out by the roll of the drums. He was 33 years old. 50 years earlier, Dick Turpin was terrorizing England, holding up the stagecoaches of the wealthy on the road from London to York. Weary travelers stopped on what is now the A1 and robbed of their money, a job that was carried out for many decades by the little chef. Dick Turpin's life ended at the gallows in York Town Square, where he was hanged in front of the people that he had robbed. Dick Turpin was 33 years old as well. A third man was executed at 33 years of age. His name was Jesus and he died on a Roman cross. But crucifixion was a little different to the other two. No quick tug of a hangman's noose, no drop of a guillotine's blade. Crucifixion was long and drawn out. Hours of searing pain bearing down upon the body of the man sentenced to die. Three lives, three deaths, and three executions. And some strange ironies. 
all of them died in big cities in front of a crowd at the same time of day, at the same age. But frankly, so what and who cares? But there is something else interesting about these three historical figures. When Louis XVI went to the guillotine, he was hated by the people. Why? Because he was lining his pockets with state funds. He was guilty as charged. Dick Turpin was the most despised thief in all of England. When he went to the gallows, he was guilty as charged. But Jesus, he was different. The people loved him. They hung on his every word. They followed him everywhere he went. Even the man that signed his death warrant did it acknowledging that he was an innocent man. His name was Pontius Pilate. He put his own political career before what he knew was right in his own heart. And he was sentenced to die by crucifixion. One person described the life and death of Jesus in this way. He grew up in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman, where he worked as a carpenter until the age of 30. And then for three years, he traveled as a preacher. He never went to college. He never wrote a book. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born and did none of the things normally associated with greatness. He was 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him and his friends ran away. He was nailed to a Roman cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he is a central figure to the human race. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, all put together, have not affected the life of mankind on this planet as much as that one solitary life. So why did he die? Why would someone want to put Jesus on a Roman cross if he spent his days healing the sick, loving the lonely, and bringing hope to the desperate, why did his life end in his prime? The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on a cross, he was paying a penalty, not for the things that he had done wrong, but the things that I have done wrong. And it's true for you as well. When God's law is broken, somebody has to pay. Jesus died in a divine substitution. His life for my life in order that I could be forgiven by a God who is perfect. Within weeks of the crucifixion, news was spreading like wildfire that Jesus had been raised from the dead. People were seeing him resurrected. Not just that, but the followers of Jesus were now among the people with the same life-transforming power that Jesus himself seemed to be able to offer to people when he walked the streets and it hasn't stopped since. Dick Turpin is buried in a churchyard near York. Louis XVI is buried in a basilica near Paris but there is no grave with the name of Jesus Christ upon it for a very good reason. Jesus is not dead, Jesus is alive.
I spend a lot of my time in France. I've just got back from France actually two days ago. And there are three things that you see a lot of in France. Wine, red wine, uh, cheese, lots of cheese everywhere. Cheese, 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 cheese. And crosses. Crosses everywhere, indoors, outdoors, on the street, on crossroads, in people's homes. But the thing that you notice about these crosses in France, and you also see a lot of them in Spain, is that Jesus is still on the cross. Now, I'm not here to speak against other religious traditions, of course, but I want to say to you that if Jesus is still on the cross, he can't do a lot for us. And it kind of leaves the story stuck 48 hours back on Good Friday. Jesus is not on a cross today because he is alive. And that is the only thing, in my opinion, that gives any explanation to the billions of transformed lives from every ethnic group and culture across the world throughout the generations for 2,000 years. There is no other explanation other than the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. John Sentimu, former Archbishop and football fan, said this on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, a few years ago. This afternoon, Aston Villa are playing Everton. Both were founded by local churches. Football has come a long way since Aston Villa Bible class formed a football team in 1874 and St. Domingo's Bible class started playing football at Everton's Stanley Park in 1884. But without the very first Easter day, neither team would even exist. Maybe they shouldn't. For that matter, <laughs> neither would Fulham, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Birmingham City, don't like saying some of these words, Barnsley, Bolton, or Southampton. Not a great response, has to be said. Who were all started by churches. When Villa take on Everton this afternoon, perhaps they could abandon their convenient amnesia of their Christian heritage and the faith of each of their founders. Very, very interesting. One more thing to say about football, and then I promise that we're done with the beautiful game uh, till a couple of hours when kickoff uh, this afternoon. In December 2003, Arsene Wenger, who was the manager of Arsenal at that time, had just seen his team win convincingly over Christmas, leaving the Gunners at the top of the league. Arsenal were right at the top of the league and now... An interviewer, Arsenal at the top of the league. There's a touch of nostalgia for you right there. I mean, that, that sounds like 2,000 years old as well, doesn't it? So the interviewer on Match of the Day, okay, Saturday night Match of the Day, said this. Arsene, you must be delighted to be top of the league at Christmas and with the title in reach. And Wenger's reply was brilliant. This is what he said. Christmas is important but Easter is decisive. Very interesting. Now, of course, he was talking about football, but without knowing it, I assume without knowing it, he said something very profound. Easter is decisive. That very first Easter Sunday was not the happy ending to a dodgy bank holiday weekend for Jesus. It was the absolute 
game changer. The Bible says this, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that anyone who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. The day that Jesus rose from the dead is the day that death died. It is the day that limitless life was secured for anyone who would simply come and humble themselves and receive it as a gift. I wonder if you have ever done that. I wonder if you have even the slightest idea how loved you really are. And the steps that this God has gone to in order to make a way where there was no way. The Bible talks about streams in the desert. When God gave his son to this world, he gave the very best that he had. But with it came an access all areas pass for every single one of us. Not to join a religious club. This isn't a club. This is a gathering of rescued lives. And there's a story in every single one of these people that are here. 1 John 3 and verse 1, another verse from the Bible. How great is the love the Father has given us so freely. Now we can be called children of God. And that's what we really are. God doesn't love Christians. God loves people and whether you believe in God or not today even that is not actually the issue the real issue is that God believes in you that is all you need to know today that's all you need to get on this journey the Christian gospel as it's called the message of Jesus is that 2,000 years before your worst mistake or your most shameful act Jesus Christ died in your place and as he rose he smashed death into a billion pieces that is why this is the day that death died because Jesus is alive death is no longer the outer marker to human existence it is simply the connecting corridor between this life and our eternal home with him. And so we don't need to live with a sense of fear and dread, not anymore. Because Jesus has gone ahead of us. This is hope in place of fear. It's peace in place, in place of despair. And it's purpose in place of emptiness. But it doesn't mean the absence of doubt and questions. Doubt and questions are okay because they are part of the human struggle. They're part of our journey through this life. And that is why we are creating these five evenings. And I'm going to use those five evenings just to take you step by step in a really informal way with a lot of fun and laughter because I'm funnier than I sound. And there's going to be food, and it's just an open invitation. We're not going to lock the door once you're here. You can leave at any point. And you can actually join at any point, although coming to all five is a great idea. And you can sign up for this, to come on this journey with me, 
over the five Tuesdays uh, throughout May at the Connect Points and uh, this little card here that says, got big questions, question mark, and uh, it's under the heading of Alpha. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all and uh, enjoy what is to come for the rest of this morning.